Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I'm here with an episode that is sort of a little slice of life, but I think it's a slice of life that you should also consider picking up a fork and taking a big bite of, and that is taking examples from businesses in your local area and seeing how it applies to your law firm. So I'm coming fresh off recording an episode with Mike Chastain, seven-figure practice owner and seven-figure practice seller, which is super rare. And one of the things I heard in that interview, uh, and it's not the first time I've heard this in general from a guest, but he said that he doesn't consider what he does running a law firm. He says what he considers himself doing is running a business that happens to sell legal services. And what's good about this view is that it gives you a lot more room for inspiration. Now, in general, there's something that has been observed in a lot of different fields where sometimes the best ideas come from outside of the field. A lot of the times when you see a new competitor pop up that's doing super well, a lot of the times it's because they're bringing a playbook that was developed somewhere else. And best practices for something completely different can actually be super, super useful for your law firm or your market. So in the same way where why it's worth going to I don't know, summits nationwide. I know there's a lot of events happening right now as I'm recording this in uh, Q4 of 2022. But you know, the same way you'd want to figure out what another law firm is doing across the country, it makes sense to find out what other local businesses are doing in your area. So I wanted to go straight into the example of, I was just nerding out like crazy and um, go ahead and make a damaging admission here. It was the first time that I'd actually ended up going to the dentist in six years. And I really can't say it was anything else in negligence that made me want to do that. But um, I ended up just, you know, finally getting back on the horse and going to the dentist, which was a bit of a scary situation, but I ended up having to find a place locally here in Austin, Texas. And I was absolutely blown away by the level of service that I got at this particular dental office. And I mean, if anyone's curious and wants to look in them, the guys are called Vita Dental. They have a couple offices around the city here. I think they're mostly local to Austin, but by all accounts, looks like they're doing extremely well. A lot of staff on payroll, super clean offices, great locations, et cetera. So reading between the lines, this looks like a business that's doing quite well. So, and the other thing too, is just as far as kind of my frame of reference, um, I'd had a lot of stuff, you know, obviously getting, going to the dentist growing up as a kid and stuff, but you know, I feel like the level of detail and the real operation here, like this was not a dentist that I went to. This was a business that happened to sell dental services. So without further ado, I'm going to kind of go into the uh, elements that I found super awesome. And again, these are all elements that you can take to your law firm and stuff that I think would be awesome for our clients to take a look at as well, but I'm um, just kind of getting into it. So from the beginning, I noticed that these guys had a very big respect for who did what. So I, I interacted with three separate individuals during my trip there. So there was somebody who was scheduling appointments full-time at the front desk. There's a dental assistant and there was a dentist. Now, this might be pretty standard for, you know, I don't know what the kind of situation you guys have in your dental offices, but, you know, also this is something that you can think about for law office, right? Front desk person, why does that need to be a dedicated role? Well, they have to take incoming calls. They have to do a lot of stuff that might distract them from other work. Um, it absolutely makes sense to have somebody like that. And also, if you want to index on somebody who's super friendly, that's probably where you want to place them, right? The assistant kind of fills in with the lower value work. And this is probably somebody who's a little less educated, a little bit less expensive, 
well, at least at that point in their career. But basically, um, the assistant was able to do the, the more or less routine stuff, like helping me out with my intake, making sure that I got my x-rays taken, all the stuff that wasn't super crazy. And I didn't actually get a dentist and then told till the very last point. And this person's time was extremely well guarded. I could tell that they probably had a lot of different appointments, but my actual time with the most expensive individual that I was dealing with that day was only 10 or 15 minutes. So I thought that was really slick. And I think that's something that more people should get into. I think there's a lot of times where people end up doing their own intake when it is something that you could potentially get done to somebody who's lower dollar cost per hour. And again, any time that you're spending yourself that could be spent doing more things like making money. You know, that's basically the situation that they had with this dentist here. If they can say 20 people instead of seeing 10 people per day because somebody else is doing the lower level stuff, that's allowing that business to get more margin over time. Now, how do they communicate all these different things between these people? The good news is that they didn't have to because everyone was digitally entering information on a checklist. And this just made me so happy. <laughs> so um, these guys were definitely a checklist manifesto kind of business. All the things were filled in. I had to sign disclosures at several different points, which wasn't really something that irritated me, but it actually gave me a lot of confidence that these guys were running a tight ship. But because all this stuff was digitized and I was doing most of this stuff on an iPad, I know for a fact that this was pushed into some sort of a practice management software, again, dental practice manager, not a you know, legal practice management software, but there wasn't any doubt over what the last person had accomplished in that whole meeting. So when the next person came in, and this I also thought was a fantastic touch, whenever there was a handoff, everything that was kind of the overall stuff, and again, this is even going back to information I'd given them on the phone and my reason for booking the appointment, was communicated back to me. Now, I know this obviously wasn't, you know, the people were just, hey, you know, you wouldn't get we got the best customer coming tomorrow. I'm so stoked, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, I don't know this. I wasn't taking this super personally. But at the same time, just the fact that even knowing that this is coming from a practice management software, you know, it's just good to know that you know where you're in the right place at any given time. And, and you know, it was saved me a lot of time having to re-explain myself, which is definitely something I've had to do at previous dentists, previous, you know, medical offices, that kind of thing too. So saves me time, uh, gives you the warm, fuzzy feelings as far as empathy and absolutely something to consider in your sales process, especially if you are going to be having multiple people that are coordinating their efforts, which is super cool. Now, the next thing I really, really loved about this was they had a fantastic sales process. So there was something that I had never seen before. X-rays, I think, are probably pretty standard fare as far as dentists goes these days. But they had something that I'd never done before where they basically were doing this super in-depth check on where all of my gums were <laughs> relative to the teeth. And um, it was it was crazy. So they were going to point in different corners. And then she, uh, the one dentist was observing this stuff because she was the expert. And the other assistant was actually taking this stuff down. But in the span of about like, you know, 10, 15 minutes, they were just saying numbers like two, three, five, two. Two, two, three, three, and like all these different things too. And I had no idea what was going on, but I was fascinated by this process because it was something that I knew was important. I couldn't really understand why it was important. But, and again, this is objectively, if you wanted to think about who was coming up with this process on the other side, I'm sure there was the question of, is this going to tick off our customers and making them wait to have a gum inspection? But the experience for me on the other side was, wow, they're taking all this information into consideration. So I felt better taken care of in that moment. And also because it was a unique process, I had no frame of reference for what was coming next, which was my plan of care. So when it came time to actually recommend what had to happen, I was given some really good information. And this is kind of cool too. Again, sales 101 type stuff, but it's always good to help explain things to your prospects. So what was explained to me was, hey, good news. And um, I'm not going to pat myself on the back for this, but I didn't have any cavities. So <laughs> in my, with my six-year absence from going to the dental office, but unfortunately I did have some gum recession, which wasn't something that, and again, I want to paint this picture like I, I look like uh, falling apart or anything like that, but you know, whatever, it's been six years since I've been to the dentist. So like, all right, cool. Well, hey, look, generally 
Um, what happens after people have that much of a layoff from the dentist is usually they'll either have something with gum recession or they'll have some with cavities. And it just happens to do with the physiology of which, you know, bacteria tend to be more prevalent in your mouth, which is based on a lot of different factors. So this is where you're at. And basically what we have here is the plan of care with how we're going to do this. So I had to sign up for, you know, some kind of spooky, kind of honestly pricey, um, <laughs> like deep cleaning. And then I had to have checking appointments every quarter, which basically, and you know, the truth is that this stuff was actually out of network. Um, this is, I guess, considered periodontal care, not preventative care. So, but at the same time, too, by this point, I was explained why I needed this. I was explained what was going to happen if I didn't do this. I had evidence of what happened when I didn't do this because that was basically what I'd done for the last six years. And despite having to pay out of pocket for this procedure that I didn't think I had to do when I walked in there, I was happy to do it because the entire experience was so thorough that I was very, very comfortable with deferring to the expertise that had been demonstrated to me in this time. So I signed on for the year-long plan of care and they were super upfront with what the cost would be and when they were going to be taken. And all this was presented to me in an iPad, which I found fantastic. And I didn't really screw around with trying to offer them any objections. Although in retrospect, the um, consultant in me would want to have done that just to see what they would have done. But basically I was, I signed up, I signed the contract that was, you know, it was, it was pretty much an implied close for me. And then, and basically, they collected payment information and scheduled my next appointment. So from soup to nuts, an absolutely fantastic like you know situation. And I will also go out and say like I didn't really feel like I was getting pushy salesperson on me at any time. Like to, as a matter of fact, like the people I was working with were like pretty unremarkable from a you know persuasion perspective. But they were following a process that was so strong that I was compelled to do basically whatever they would have suggested to me. And, you know, and uh, I don't know. Like there's, it's possibly they could have taken things too far. But I also think based on their criteria. They had, you know, the knowledge that there was an appropriate amount of care that was needed for the situation they had. And I'm sure there's, you know, a million SOPs behind the one that I was able to kind of see the tip of the iceberg with that determined the recommendation that they wanted to make. And um, ultimately, I thought it was fair and I went for it. So Basically, I want you guys to think about a lot of these different elements when it comes to your process, right? One of the things that comes to mind as far as the consultation process is people really oftentimes will push back to me and say, I don't want to ask all these prying questions, right? And I want to take it back to this example. It's like if you wanted to ask to tell somebody outright, well, what's going to happen is you're going to go to a dentist's office, they're going to point in your gums, and they're going to evaluate every single situation about your teeth. And it's probably going to take a little bit longer, but they're going to go really deep and find out everything that they need to know. Well, that doesn't really sound really great, but what you get at the end of that is a detailed plan of care that's customized to your actual needs and the ability to move forward on that right at the moment. And again, I'm not going to the dentist because it's a fun thing for me. I'm going to this because I have a need, which is the same thing that anyone that's coming into your consultation room is doing. So I want to encourage everyone who's listening to this, if you ever have some reticence on asking problems about people, and again, not to extend the metaphor too much, but like, you know, when they poke you in the gums or they poke you in the hole that might be a cavity, that's not something anyone would want to be done to them. But at the same time, asking a probing question that could result in pain is absolutely what you need to do as a professional to make sure you're recommending somebody take the right course of action, right? So, and ultimately that's what is going to connect them to the solution that they came in there to hire you for, right? So again, some other just super minor things, right? Never let somebody out of your office without signing something, without taking payment, without getting the next thing scheduled. This is super basic stuff that, you know, just, it's so easy to lose deals on this stuff, but just like, you know, why screw around? When you build that in your process, you do it every single time. When your staff does it every single time, you don't have to worry about this. You, know, you don't have to worry about having enough money to expand and keep their staff paid and allocations like these guys have been able to do, right? But you no, know, generally speaking, I want you guys to kind of take this again, obviously, I'm 
<laughs> this is a pretty weird episode on the uh, on face value about Jan's trip to the dentist, but you guys can do this everywhere that you guys are taking care. Next time you get your oil changed, look at the process. A lot of times too, it's kind of interesting. We have this weird microcosm of law firms where it's very, very difficult to expand beyond the state that one's barred in. But you know, think about some of these other situations too. Another firm or another business that I'm a huge fan of in terms of just their process and system. These guys are really, really well regarded, especially in the training side of things. Is enterprise rent a car. Just like next time you go into a local thing, and those have been interesting because that's not only nationwide but an international business. You know, see what these top flight you know, world-class businesses are doing from a systems perspective. If you keep your eyes open, you're going to find some gems. So um, I will leave you guys with that. If you have any cool things that you learned from a local business, go ahead and sign up on the site for email newsletters. Shoot me an email. I'd love to hear about it. And for everyone else, I will see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.